Welcome back to the Girls Talk Ag podcast, plowing through the manure online. It's Karen's favorite time of year. Spring has sprung, the tulips are blooming, the birds are chirping, and you can smell dicamba in the air. That's 2,4-D. Yeah. Oh, what you smell probably is two four days. She's right. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. It's spray and I'm scared of it because my Facebook mom said I should be. So but no serious I was driving down serious. the highway yesterday and there was a, a applicator on an I call them headlands, which we're not going to get in that debate. But anyway, and it's he had this, You're big, right, this big cloud come over. And so I slowed down just so I wouldn't have to drive through it because I'm like, I know there's 240 in it and I do not want to smell it. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> I just don't want to smell it. That's it. So. Uh, so we decided this week we have Karen and Jen, of course. Jen is a little bit more sane this week than last, if you could say that. Yeah. Can I say that? No, probably not. Really? not. Oh, I don't know. Do you tell Chris to, did you let Chris listen to the, the farmer's tale podcast? I tell have your- no idea what Chris does. If the, the, the least amount I can be around him this time of year, if he can't be in the field, the better off our marriage. Is. I'm still stuck though on the tell your ass to quit braying or whatever it is like that one. So I didn't know if maybe he listened and and uh, took it to heart. So uh, either way, hi, Chris. We know you listen because you love us. But so on a you know serious note, uh, for us anyway, serious is always relative. Um, Karen had had some conversations uh, behind the scenes with our favorite, one of our favorite weather dudes. You have to be careful saying favorite because everyone gets butt hurt nowadays. And I don't want to wad He is our up. first time second um, guest. I mean, second time guest. So yeah. True dad. Oh, that's good. That's good. So that's what the plaques in the mail. Uh, we'll get you a hot mess mom and egg um, cup. So that way you can yeah. you can show the world off who you are. So we invited Mr. Michael Clark back from BAMWX uh, Weather dot com. Did I say that right? I'm terrible. You you introduced BAMWX.com. Dot com. Okay. I just yeah, I'm like weather. Throw weather in there somewhere. I don't know. But we brought him back because. Um, well, for several reasons. One, we just love weather because it's fun. But um, I'm going to let Karen kind of explain some of the conversations that they've been having and why we determined that it was a good time to bring him back onto the podcast. So Karen, take it away. Okay, so last year, I think part of our problems with dicamba was specifically inversions. Um, We had a lot of volatility, which can also be affected by inversions, not just um, actual straight spray. And particularly down in the Decatur, Champaign, Bloomington triangle, we had a lot of fields that were damaged. And I'm thinking in, you know, just trying to deduct things in my head and thinking that a lot of those guys were all spraying on the same days. So I think a lot of them could have sprayed into the same inversion. And that's just Mm -hmm. one of the aspects. I mean, they talk about it and they highlight it, but they never really fully in depth explain what that is and what that means. And how it could affect what you're spraying. So I kind of wanted to talk about what an actual inversion is and how we can measure it or if we can, or if we need to look to, you know, someone with a higher pay grade to do that type of thing. And um, just talk a little bit about how that might affect whether we choose which days to spray and which days not to all the different factors we need to look at. All of them, every single factor. Because <laughs> there's a lot of them. <laughs> Pam Smith just did an article she put out today for DTN, um, and she had interviewed Dr. Larry Stucco out of Tennessee. 
and he had a list of 20 things you had to do in the field before, during, and after spraying that you all, that you had to document and make sure that you were doing correctly. So that takes a lot more thinking than a lot of these herbicides that we've sprayed in the past. And I think DTN has a whole series coming out on that. She does. She had um, to make sure you have a dicamba um, plan in place. And then they're highlighting several of the articles that they had put out last year during the trouble time that we had just to refresh people's memory. So definitely be watching the DTN um, Twitter and Pam Smith. So she's been putting them out today at least too. So. She's been on top of things. So, so we can we can link to that too on our Twitter. I retweeted yeah. a couple of them today, so Okay. So we brought Michael on um, you know, specifically right to discuss a what is an inversion for those of you who don't know. Cuz it's kind of confusing. So, let's start with that. Explain to us what a weather inversion actually is. (laughs) So they they are confusing and they can happen in a number of different fashions. Uh, They can, they can develop over a a number of different conditions. Um, They can develop from high pressure overhead and clear skies. Um, They can develop from warmer air advecting in. Uh, They can develop from warm air flowing over a, a larger body of colder water. And they can develop from a cold front coming through. So there's multiple ways that uh, inversions can develop. And essentially, the the simplest way to describe what an inversion is, it's basically where the temperature is warmer above the air, above the surface. So the colder, um, heavier, dense air at the surface gets trapped because that warmer air aloft kind of creates basically what we call a cap or a lid. Um, And it it basically eliminates the air from being able to mix and rise up to the atmosphere. So it's, it's actually, believe it or not, it's a, it's a sign of really, really stable atmospheric conditions where it's clear skies, calm wind, there's really not a lot going on. And you just have this, this lower layer of colder air that's kind of festering at the surface. Um, And again, you know, a lot of times folks are under the impression that when we have high pressure working in, we get clear skies at night and it turns into a really, really nice evening that, that everything's okay. And oftentimes that can be when some of the biggest problems are there if you're not looking um, at, other, at other factors. So long story short, it's, it's just a layer of warmer air above the surface that traps the colder, denser air at the surface, if that makes sense. So that layer that's close okay. to the surface, like how, like how many feet off the ground would you say that is? Um, it, it, yeah, so it can be, it can be anywhere from literally on the ground to, I would say even as, as high as 1500 feet. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the, the oh, inversions wow. at times can be, uh, sometimes your inversions are two to 3000 feet where that, where that layer of air is capped off. Sometimes they're as low as, you know, below a thousand feet. So it really depends on it. Every, let me tell you this, every inversion is different. So uh, every setup on how they're occurring, you know, you really need to make sure you understand it because it, they all can have different, uh, different outcomes. How far apart can they be? I mean, like how wide of an area do they cover? Um, it can be a very, very wide area. I mean, if an area of high pressure works in, um, it, it can cover a couple of states, 
you know, there can be, you can have three or four states with a dense fog advisory that's kind of encompassed under that inversion, if that makes sense. So if I, so say we sprayed dicamba here at the home farm and I've got a farm 20 miles away and I didn't spray it there or I did spray it there. Could one farm have an inversion and the other farm didn't at 20 miles away? Yeah, I, I would say that's possible. I mean, it's it's possible that the inversion can break or lift at the further uh, that you travel away from the area that has it. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, when you start getting into a mile or two, I think, you know, within that area, if there's an inversion there, it's probably going to affect. Okay. That's know, what I was thinking. You know, the smaller, yeah. how small area or large area are we talking about that it could happen or change? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it, I mean, it could definitely, it could definitely be over a large area for sure. But it could be over a small area as well. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. That's what I want to know. Now, what time of day do we need to worry about inversions or what, you know, how, how many hours do they encompass that kind of thing? Yeah. So, so typically inversions, they'll start to onset uh, typically like between five and 7 PM. Um, and, and the average inversion is probably going to last about 10 to 12 hours. Um, so yeah, so that's where like, so in the summertime where it's daylight a lot longer, um, you know, and it, it's, it's nice out and the skies are clear and, and the winds are calm. Uh, the average, the, the average farmer out there might be like, man, this is a nice night to, to do this. And, uh, but, but really there could be an inversion already setting up shop. And if, if you get just the, the slightest horizontal wind to come through there uh, with an inversion in place, it can carry that chemical quite, quite a bit of a way away. So, and that seems like a common thing in Arkansas, you know, and I'm just speaking, you know, kind of coming in from left field here, just from what I'd seen on Twitter, but that people would say, well, I couldn't have damaged your crop because I sprayed and it was sunny and the wind wasn't blowing. Right. Well, the wind right. has to be blowing in order for you to spray dicamba <clears throat> post-emergence in soybeans. You cannot have zero wet, <clears throat> zero wind. It has to be between three and 10 miles per hour. I was going to say, I think I read three miles per hour is what I yeah, saw out the there. Minimum. So that, that makes sense. Okay. Does the wind ever not blow three miles though? Maybe I've just been in Northern <laughs> Iowa for too long. You've been in Northern <laughs> Iowa for too long. Uh, how predictable <laughs> are inversions? So they actually, as long, and this is in my professional opinion. So someone else may have a different opinion on this, but um, 48 to 60 hours is a good window um, if you before have, it starts, yes. Okay, and yes. one more real quick question, mm-hmm. kind of a two-part question for Karen as well. How long does dicamba need to be sprayed before an inversion could happen, where it wouldn't affect the dicamba? Are you trying to get me shot? <laughs> I was no. going to say I'm not answering that question. <laughs> I, I just, I just I wonder know. how long that chemical needs to be on. <clears throat> there before it loses that volatile state. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I have. No There's a lot that. of discrepancy in that part of okay. um, what is thought is that the um, specific vapor grip technology doesn't stop volatility. However, it delays it is kind of some okay. thinking from last year. So even if they're spraying during the day, during the correct time, if it just volatilizes say eight or nine hours later and it's in the middle of the night, uh-huh. That's possibly an issue that they're still investigating. So we won't say anything for sure, but that's a legend. Okay. And I wasn't 
Yeah, I wasn't trying to trap you, but I mean, it, I, I would think that would be a valid question. You well, know? the problem I mean, is that the manufacturers are not yet admitting that volatility even exists. So, boy, they've covered their ass, haven't they? Yeah. Lawyers are for. Um, so, so, so back to back to Michael. The 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 inversions and how I know it's weather, but how accurate are I would think you could possibly predict an inversion almost every night during the summer. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. In fact, from March to July, probably more than 50% of your, of your days are going to feature an inversion somewhere in the grain belt. I mean, they're pretty common. So yeah, I mean, they're, they're, you know, especially as you get into June and July, um, you know, you definitely want to be careful with that. So more often than so you're not. looking at like an hour once a week you could possibly spray dicamba. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you look at some of the research, if they a lot of the universities took the weather they had last year and applied the rules that they must abide by this year. Um, I know Adam Spellhog out of uh, North Dakota came up with, you know, in some areas there were only 10 hours to spray total for the entire summer. So no, that is specifically oh, the rules for Is that just dicamba or is that anything? And, is there, are there um, other wow. Extendamax. So not all herbicides volatilize. That's like something dicamba. very specific to dicamba. No, are there other? So you don't need to. If you spray Roundup, it doesn't okay. matter when you spray it because it's not going to pick up and move. Um, 2,4-D does volatilize a little bit, but it's much more stable than dicamba. Okay. So that would be the only other one mm -hmm. that you would maybe be concerned about. But generally, it doesn't volatilize as much. So, But for your average chemicals that you use, no, it's not. Um, volatility and inversions is not something okay. that you're concerned about. So back to predicting inversions. Mm -hmm. Go back to that. Answer that question for me. Yeah. So I think that... I, I definitely think that there needs to be human interaction without question. I, I just don't, um, when I see these, these automated algorithms or, or even if I, if I see an hour by hour forecast that one of my clients sends me and says, here's the percentage of rain over the next 12 hours, I, I just, I toss it immediately. Um, and so going a step, if I see the words proprietary algorithm, I run in the opposite direction. Yeah, I, I really do too. As should everyone else. I Google yeah. them to see what the hell they mean. <laughs> I, I really do because I, you know, you're, you're talking about a serious subject, serious stuff. And, and if you're going to go by an automated computer system, um, there are computers, can be wrong in, in thousands of different ways. I mean, just, just one wrong, you know, direction of the wind or, or one wrong, you know, couple miles per hour off that computer. Uh, and you're, you're going to really be in some trouble. So. Um, and if you notice the, the apps that were put out by Monsanto and BASF both say multiple times, this is for, you know, for decision-making prior to entering the field, you still must check and redecide all this stuff in the field. Yes. So they're covering their butts too. But um, yeah. before we get to any further, can you tell us how or how an inversion is measured? So I was under the impression that it was kind of near ground level and then at 33 feet. But if that inversion is 1,500 feet, there's no way I can measure that by myself. Yeah. So with, with, with let's see, the easiest way to, 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 to talk about this is, Weather balloons are launched on a daily basis. Um, and 
we, we look at what's called a, an, an atmospheric sounding or what we call a skew T. And, and what this is, is a profile of the atmosphere from the surface up to, you know, 90,000 feet or however high we're going to go up. Um, and we're looking at the profile of the air. And the, the best way you're going to be able to ever see an inversion is by looking at these soundings, these skew T's. Because what an inversion is, simply is it's basically an increase of temperature with height. So the higher you go up, the warmer the temperature gets. Well, the weather balloons, the soundings, the things that are going up through the atmosphere, that will tell us the temperature as we go up with height. So it plots it in a line. Um, what happens is, is the further right that line goes, the warmer it gets. So long story short, um, looking at pretty graphics and colors on a map is not going to really be able to fork. You're not really going to be able to see this inversion anywhere. Um, it's, it's something that if you're not looking at the proper charts, you're, you know, you could be, you could be in trouble if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, they have some gadgets where you can supposedly, I don't know, throw stuff up or swing stuff around and all kinds of stuff. I know last year they said just put a smoke bomb up. I'm not really sure a smoke bomb is the best idea because other people, non-ag people, are going to be wondering what in the world you're putting up into their air. But it just seems to me like trying to measure that yourself in the field is kind of futile. Yeah, uh, I would not do that. Um, I would not even think about doing that. I don't, you know, I mean, there's a couple of tips I could give you if you wanted to, to check for, I mean, you know, uh, visible dew on the grass and things like that is, is a code red. Um, low lying fog is a code red. Um, even clear skies. When you look up and the skies are clear, that's, that can be a code red. I mean, so, yeah, so uh, there's, there's a lot of factors that, you know, someone who's not trained in yeah. that in the weather and meteorology type stuff would be wouldn't be able to figure out for themselves. I don't think so. Yeah. Can can inversions happen when you're not expecting them? Um I would say, you know, possibly the the I would say the percentage of that happening is low, but it's not impossible. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, if we have a client that calls us and says, we need to apply Dicama, what's the forecast? Um, and we're looking at the profile of the atmosphere on a couple of different models. The chances of us missing that is very, very, very slim. Okay. Um, but if we're not looking for it, okay. And these, you know, it's something that someone's going to do without asking very easily could get. But in your, with your clientele, mm -hmm. though, if they're calling you for an on-the-spot um, forecast, they're going to tell you what they're up to. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Yep. Yep. And that's part of the the you know, and you may have kind of touched on it a little bit when you talked about the proprietary mm -hmm. proprietary algorithms, but. That's part of the importance of having a person doing your forecast or at least looking at what you're, you're dealing with. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a big, a big part of our service. Probably the biggest part is, is that we encourage you to talk to us. Um, we encourage you guys to, you know, our clients to reach out and, and call us or text us and, um, and get a, an actual human involved in the decision-making process, or at least the recommendation, I shouldn't say decision, but um, at least the recommendation of, of, of 
you know, what's going on. Because again, you know, you, you guys are, can probably all attest to this, but how many times has your app told you this hour by hour forecast? That's never even <laughs> close. Um, all the time, you know, so yeah. So you got to think if you're applying that methodology to the models are what's predicting the inversion, why would they be any better forecasting an inversion than they would the rain? Yeah. What's the difference? Interesting. Well, and I think in agriculture with models and proprietary algorithms, I think we've been disappointed many times over. And I think people need to remember that when they go to look at this type of information from either of those types of sources. Right. You yes. know, the nitrogen modeling we have issues with, but if you put a human factor in to help you figure those out, then then they can be more useful. And I think this is the same type of situation. Right. Are you planning Absolutely. on adding into... Um, your daily forecast that you, you know, like your email, your zone forecasts, like any, is there times when it's obvious that it, it would be a bad time, you know, for inversions or something? Are you going to add that in? Or is that going to be something specific that your clientele has to, to request? So it will be something specific they okay. need to request. Um, because the way we do our, our forecasts uh, region by region, it, it would not be possible to nail it down for one guy, okay. but not another. Um, so if, if, if they're going to, uh, apply that and, and make that decision, they need to just call us and for like a five minute phone call, because that's where they can get the most absolute, uh, most valuable information down to where they're located. I, su I assume that you've covered your ass. If you say there isn't going to be an inversion and there is dicamba, damage on somebody else's field. I mean, the lawyers for the chemical companies have done that. I'm sure you can't be held responsible for that. A am I correct? Right. <laughs> yes, it, it, you're exactly correct. So we just have someone, we, when they sign up for the service, it's that you sign a contract saying that this is not a, this is an, uh, an imperfect science right. that can and sometimes does change. And at the end of the day, I'm giving you a recommendation. I'm not telling yeah. you what to well, do. Right. And if you so read you can, the label, it is yeah. still all, all the responsibility lies within the applicator because they're the ones standing yeah. in the field and they're the one applying the product. So even Monsanto and BASF put a disclaimer on their apps. So, you know, you still have to make yeah. a judgment call, but I just think that this type of information I, I guess, yeah. would help you make a better informed decision than just oh. trying to look at things online and, you know, maybe throwing a smoke bomb up. I just don't, I just don't think that that's, you know, for as touchy as Dicamba no. is, I, I think adding the person would be, I totally agree. Would give me peace of mind. Oh, I totally agree. No, I totally agree. Yeah. I think, I think I just, to me on the production side of it and, and I'm not allowed to touch chemicals, FYI, but, um, um, just from the production side of it, I'm like, you're taking a lot of chances. I mean, you're getting a lot of advice and you're, you know, but everybody's covered their ass, but you, you know what I mean? And, and it, when it comes right down to it, it is on, which you. is part of the reason that you're seeing a lot of custom yeah. applicators move away from, from applying. Right. A lot of insurance or insurance li liability insurance will not allow them to spray the product. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a smaller group of individuals this year that spray it. I think, I don't know. It's hard to say. I've had some mm -hmm. very odd questions so far this year about spraying dicamba. So um, I'm not sure, but um, I think, and I lost my whole train of thought. I have no idea where I was going with this. 
That's what. And we're derailed. I've been there before. That's what and we're derailed. I've been there uh, before. So. Those are the best kind of podcasts, though. They don't get any better. It's, well, that's, have you listened? Because all of our podcasts are like that. But so, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely something. I think there there's a group of people that may try for the first time this year to spray it simply because they, they want to. They want to know what the fuss is about, perhaps. I think they've seen... Um, I think they've seen a lot of conversations and they've heard a lot of folks say, um, you know, different things about, uh, um, what's going on. You know what I mean? On Twitter, like it's two very distinct groups of people. And so I think there's some people that feel Mm -hmm. that there is no issue. And most of those people are people who have not had any sort of spray injury, yeah, there were areas last mm-hmm. year that did not have issues, but you can't guarantee that that's going to happen in your area again this year. Does anybody know what dicamba sales are right now? Well, they, there's a lot more extend beans out there. A lot of people bought them for protection. A lot of people bought them planning to use it pre-emerge and not post-emerge. But since we're getting a little late, they're deciding to plant instead of spray. And so I think we're going to see a lot more post applications than maybe people intended on to maybe a month ago. We... We just got our Extend beans delivered today, but now we bought them for the genetics of the bean. We will not be spraying dicamba. Right. And I think a lot of people did that. So I don't think using the Extend sales itself is a good measure. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. But it's important to note that, you know, this, these labels only go until like November something, November 1st or December 1st. And if we have anything near what we had last year, we're not going to have this product come 2019. So I think every precaution needs to be taken for those who are spraying the product to do it correctly. Absolutely. Um, so speaking of, I mean, I guess I have a really crappy transition. I was hoping for like something cool and be like, oh, here's my Yeah. <laughs> am I going to be an agronomist this summer or am I going to turn into a grief counselor? That's what I need to know. <laughs> Honestly, I think you're going to be an agronomist. Um, I, I think that, you know, I, there's there's always, for the most part, 99% of the time, there's always some kind of weather issue at some point during the growing season. Um, but overall, a widespread, huge problem. I don't see that being on the table. Um, I do think there can be a recipe or two for a shorter growing season, possibly, based on the summer forecast. Um, but overall, I you know, statistically, research, everything's showing us that there's no major red flags uh, for the growing season. Well, in a lot of places that had been dry the last few months got rain in the last couple of days, correct? Parts of Oklahoma, Kansas, yeah, in those areas. Yeah. In fact, Kansas, they've had some really good rain, especially across eastern. And it's still raining in eastern Kansas right now as we speak. So um, some places have, have really gotten in on, on the rain. Um, but I, I will tell you, there are a couple places that are kind of flying under the radar right now that need rain. And that is, that's Northwest Illinois, Southern Iowa, and, and like Eastern Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they have turned dry there over the last, uh, you know, 30 to 40 days. And um, there's not a lot of moisture in the forecast over the next couple of weeks. So uh, my concerns are in the short term, if we want to talk short term rather real quick, that'll lead into the seasonal forecast. Mm-hmm. But um, my concerns is that it's all fine and dandy right now. And it is. And, pl- and the, the window of the next 10 days for planting is 
about as good as you're going to be able to get around here. It's really, really good. So, so say someone, a farmer mm-hmm. lived and her close name to is you. Jen. Will she be planting <laughs> now? I, I have no Thanks. reason to believe. No, there's no way you should not be planting by like Saturday or Sunday. I mean, it's gonna, really yeah, this kind of. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I going to say because it's kind of wet out there. Because um, it's it's. It's actually it's drier than I thought after the past two days of rain we've had, um, but it's a little chilly today. I was I'd been out earlier today, but uh, the sun did try to come out. The top of the soil seemed to dry fairly quickly. I'm a little concerned. There's some people pushing it because I think underneath it might be a little wetter than they're expecting. So That's- definitely don't hop on the tractor and go full bore and make sure. Even if you are kicking up dust, it may just be from the top inch or two, and you want to make sure that yeah. That's where you're said. planting is not uh, <laughs> where you're planting point. that you're not um you know making slick sidewalls and or if you're cultivating that you're not making a density layer in there that's going to trap heat later so yeah don't be deceived well i wouldn't be the least bit surprised to to see tractors rolling out here this afternoon here and we just had 24 inches i mean like we had 20 inches of snow on the ground <laughs> a week ago today and uh um, I would not be the least bit surprised. There were quite a few guys out today in my little section of the world um, checking fields. And there's a couple that look like they um, will definitely push to try to go. I'm not saying they won't get stuck. I, right now in Michigan, we've I, my guy, my uh, truckers delivering lime, the chain has been their best friend to get them out. So, wow. you know, but granted, they're grossing over 100,000 when they're loaded with lime. So that may have something to do with it, too. But yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people getting stuck out there in the wet spots. But, you know, yeah. in northern Illinois, like he was staying, I had talked to Steve Pitstick and he said there are places that he was working up ground in this past week that he hasn't been able to plant since 2012 because it's been a wet hole. So, yeah. wow. And I know the guys in southeastern Iowa, they weren't worried about getting moisture. They were just waiting for the, they had good conditions. They were just waiting for enough heat units to say it was okay to go. So I know there's some guys in those two areas that are a little bit concerned. So I found it kind of interesting, though. Someone just tweeted that uh, they're replacing poles in their portion of Iowa, power poles, and they said that they're hitting frost a foot deep. Oh, geez. And they wouldn't be out planting at this point in time. And I just kind of thought, and and I'm not an agronomist at all, but you're not putting the seed that deep. Does <laughs> that really <laughs> have, I mean, does a foot of, of frost really matter a, a whole bunch if your forecast is, and that, that'll lead me into the question, what does our forecast look like, I guess you could say, for the next two weeks? But like you said, the, the planting window is there. So obviously. When you put your soil thermometer in, you don't put it a foot deep. You put it in the top few inches of soil. Which so. Is, what she right. said and uh <laughs> you just put the tip in Angie. I'm like, well i'm like i know you didn't want to question my apologies Michael. i didn't want to question them on twitter and be like what what but uh i you know maybe it's because i'm from michigan and you know we have frost until june in some portions of the state and we still plant but um, I just found that interesting. So, so what does the forecast look like? I mean, what do you see out there, you know, going on right now? Yeah, I mean, so to me, it really doesn't. It really doesn't get a whole lot better um, in terms of the forecast. I mean, next week we're going to have a, a string of seventies uh, and eighties um, with 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 yeah. overnight lows in the fifties and sixties. Um, 
you know, to around the Eastern belt, uh, for you, for you that live here close to me, uh, you could be, you could be near 80, a couple of days next, um, next like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it'd be very nice. Um, so overall, I mean, it's, it's looking really good. I mean, there, there's a storm system now for, let's say, for example, someone's planting on Friday. Okay. And, 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 uh, you know, everyone's always concerned about the weather a couple of days after they plant. There is a storm system coming through that may offer up a little bit of rain uh, as we get into okay. to next Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, right now, that that storm system is targeting like, oh, uh, northern Missouri, extreme southern Iowa, western Illinois. Um, you know, there's a storm system in there that would come around the 2nd of May. So... Uh, that could offer up an, a half inch inch of rain. Um, so, but over the next 10 days total, I mean, it, it really is favorable for a lot of people depending on where you're at. Um, beyond you can get the, a lot of the crop in, in 10 days. So mm-hmm. yes. yeah. Kind of crop. And, and not to mention, I mean, even getting out into week two. So we may have a, we will have a storm come through the second and third of May there. People will get rain from this. And then after that, I, I still think temperatures can be a little bit warmer than normal by a degree or two, and it may calm back down again. So in my opinion, for what it's worth, I think a lot of folks over the next two weeks are going to get what they need in order to get planted. Um, so cool. yeah, I don't have any major concerns. But what right you're now. telling Good. me is I'm going to have to go to the last two Pee Wee soccer games on the fourth and the fifth. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> and that I should be taking my afternoon naps now because I'll be busy next week. That's right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, so what are you seeing in Brazil right now? Because that's one of those things that, um, you know, of course, that's been the, the biggest concern or the biggest for, you know thing in, in the front of everyone's mind is um, – you know, getting planted or finally having spring arrive. Like I was about ready to go full shining on everyone here if it snowed one more time. So I'm glad that's not happening because that'd be awkward and I have a lot of stuff to do. Um, And so it'd be difficult, of course, for everyone. But um, so that was in the forefront. Now we're kind of seeing that, of course, there's going to be some areas that aren't as easy um, or easily planted as others and, and et cetera, et cetera. We know that, but mm-hmm. what are we looking at South America? Cause that's going to be a really big secondary factor, um, to corn prices, uh, you know, here in the, the short term and, and into the summer months, of course, as well, because their second crop corn production, you know, was late planted first of all, um, you know, and, and now, you know, not only was it slightly delayed in planting, but it appears as though the, the dry season has arrived normal earlier than normal. Um, are you seeing that? What are you guys seeing, you know, kind of uh, here in the short term and further out as we get, because that, that crop's going to be working its way towards pollination here before we know it. And that's going to have huge implications on um, last half or at least the fourth quarter marketing year corn exports and first uh, quarter of next marketing year. Well, actually all the way into to next spring, it would have huge implications if Brazil were to see a, a significant production decline when it comes to their safrina crop. So what are you, um, what are you seeing there? Yeah. So right now the big, the big thing is the dryness coming out of, uh, Piranha or however you want to pronounce that in, yeah. in Southern Brazil. Um, you know, basically they've had 0% of the normal in the last 10 days. The forecast over the next 10 days is basically no rainfall at all. 
um, whatsoever, just just bone dry. <coughs> um, and I, I tell you, I, I think that big concerns for dryness there and flooding in, in northeastern Argentina and northern Argentina. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, the, the pattern has kind of flipped down there. Um, you know, in terms of being bone dry the next 10 days in the Piranha area, it's going to stay that way. There's a possibility getting into the second week of May, but that's not guaranteed. I, I don't, I wouldn't look for much relief getting into that time frame. Um, you know, I think it's something that is, can, can end up becoming a problem because, you know, then as we, as we go further South into Argentina, there, I mean, these, these rains aren't a joke. I mean, there could be more rain there in the next 10 days than what they saw all of December, January, and February combined. Wow. I mean, so it, it it's kind of like a just, Hey, let's try again next year type thing. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. it, it's a, it's going to be a bad deal. I, I don't, I don't think it's getting the attention yet that it will probably end up getting. Yeah. And I'd have to look to see, I mean, I'm, I'm not 100% certain on their harvest pace. I know they've been struggling to get beans out right there. Right. I mean, yeah. you've probably talked to more people down that way. You know, I've kind of written Argentina, shouldn't say this, but I've kind of been like, okay, Argentina, you know, that it, that's the story that keeps coming back. Like, you know, you, you're suddenly like, okay, well, we're secure in Argentina's production. And then you mm-hmm. end up with flooding rains. And then we're secure in Argentina's production again. And you have a boat slam into their port that is responsible for, you know, a quarter of their soybean meal Jesus. exports and stuff. So it's just yeah. one of those things that kind of keeps haunting us. But so you're definitely seeing it being a big issue going forward. Yeah, and we, we actually have a couple of clients that live down there uh, that are from there. Um, yeah. And, and um, these guys are not, I should clarify, they are not farmers. They are uh, trading uh, and things of that nature, but they are from South America. And we are under the impression right now that they're somewhere around 40% on their harvest. Okay, they're, yep. Uh, uh, and so further delays are, are easily... I mean, in my opinion, they're li- based on the weather. They're likely. I don't really know how you could argue that they're not at this rate. So, yeah. uh, you know, the, the morning European, I'm watching it come in as we talk. Uh, over the course of the next eight days, there are places looking to get five to seven inches of rain. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, it's, you know, very problematic for sure. Yeah, definitely something we'll want to watch. Now, uh, one last question on on my end, and then I... You know, I'll see if the the girls have any more on that side. But Southern Plains wise, do you see their pattern? Is that drought pattern breaking or is this a short term? Because it's very welcomed. I have a friend in the the Oklahoma panhandle that's gotten just over an inch of rain, um, you know, this past week, which is more than what he'd gotten 200 days prior. And uh, he's actually still amazed about their subsoil moisture, which I mean, there's something special about anyone that can farm in, in no man's land anyway. But um, said it's created a perfect seedbed for them. Um, you know, should they be able to anticipate further rain or are we going to kind of revert back to that old uh, pattern? I, I, I think our, our forecasts right now have that pattern down there becoming increasingly favorable for it to kind of start seeing more rainfall. Good. Um, you know, yeah. So I, I think those guys have, have hope for sure. I, I you know, for what it's worth, I don't put a lot of stock into this, but just for what it's worth, the, the American 
data, the GFS that came in this morning, is is really aggressive with rains down there in the week two time frame. Okay. Um, it'll probably it'll probably back off a little bit. It's probably not going to be as significant, but the pattern is moving into a a, a, a state that I think can support some relief for those okay. guys. Okay, because there was definitely a concern that we were back into 2011. You know, which of course we had been yeah. pretty dry, but that 2011 pattern had been one where it, you know, begat continued dryness and you saw it, you know, really kind of spread into 12 and then it finally broke in 13, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily looking mm-hmm. like that's the, the case at this point in time from what you're seeing then. Yeah, I don't think so. Not good. right now. Good, good for them. So my kids, my, my kids are going to be in Oklahoma City next week judging soil for national soils. Do I pack sweatshirts or are they going to be short sleeve shirts? Um, no, I'd pack short sleeve shirts. I'd also maybe, awesome. I'd maybe take, um, you know, a, a camera. You may get some tornadoes, some severe weather, you know. Thank you. Tornadoes. Thank you for that company. Thank <laughs> you for that company. <laughs> well, you know, you know, for the record, Oklahoma, it's, it's the latest it's ever been without tornadoes down there. It's like a, but- it's a drought of severe weather. Uh, so that right. makes sense. usually that what happens when yeah. you you uh, right. break things up a little bit. That's what they're talking. Uh, potentially severe weather here. So yeah. I'm gonna go get my helmet taken care of and get my clothes yeah. basket of provisions put together. And uh, yeah, all right. Okay. Well, anything else you guys yeah. want to add? Uh, you know, before we wrap it up here, um, at all? Any other questions? Or are you sitting? Sitting yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Heard anything that you want to add or, or ask? No, I think we're good. I just wanted to make sure that people understood how complicated inversions could be and simple little <clears throat> tools or apps and whatnot may not be enough. And I just wanted them to know that there are options out there that can help them if they plan on spraying post-merge in, you know, Dicamba. So... Yeah. Awesome. Greatly. Yeah. And if you, uh, Michael, tell us how they can get in touch with you if they want to sign up for your service. I, and I always say this and, and I will continue to say it. I've been a customer now. Actually, we have to, I think we have to pay the bill. It's, it's the checks in the mail <laughs> okay. um, for this year, but I think this is our third or fourth year. Third, yeah. third year. Yeah. Third year. Um, yeah. And so I've I definitely uh, used the services and, and contest to or attest attest to them being. I can you contest, can contest it. I can attest <laughs> to them. Uh, be I used to have a vocabulary and then I had a kid and it definitely just screwed all of that up. <laughs> um, so I can attest to it being a great service and and being something that that you know anytime you reach out to them they can help you and. Uh, um, you know, just do things that, uh, you know, n- not a lot of other uh, weather services are capable of doing. So tell them how they can can get in touch with you, get signed up and all that good stuff. Awesome. What well, I greatly appreciate it. And and the best way to do is just go to BAMWX.com. So that's BAMWX.com and just click on the on the join today or the contact us button. And we'd be more than happy to, to get you the information. So I uh, greatly appreciate uh, being on here today and the opportunity to talk with you guys. We thank you for your time and, and we're glad that you only had to think about using your safe word once, maybe twice. So, um, we try to, to, uh, Man, we have gone soft. I know that's what the next time you're on, don't think it'll be that easy. So, okay, she said. Yeah. We, 
<laughs> we definitely uh, <laughs> thank you for being here. And uh, we thank our listeners for listening. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to us or the folks at uh, BMWX. Uh, they will answer anything you need. And, and uh, next week we'll be back with more fun, you know, chit chat. So have a good one.